and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from tech, media, business, and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today on Non-Technical, big episode of Non-Technical, we have Mark Cuban, entrepreneur and television personality, though he's done a lot of other super impressive, really interesting things prior to that, which admittedly, I'm not going to ask him that much about. Mark, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me on, Alexis. It is absolutely my pleasure. Are you ready to dive in? Let's rock and roll. Fantastic. This episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by Bets Recruiting. That's right, Bets is back on the pod, baby. Don't get me wrong. I love a warm intro as much as the next person, but what I don't love is combing through LinkedIn for four hours and then texting someone I haven't talked to since 2011 to ask for an intro to some random at the company I wanna work for who they may or may not know. So if you're a high-performing professional looking for your next opportunity, but tired of sending resumes out into the void or waiting on your friend to finally submit that referral, it's time to become a Bets Connect community member. Thousands of tech startups are on their way to becoming the next unicorn, and they're looking for talented sales, marketing, and customer success professionals. Apply to join Bet's exclusive network, and if you're accepted, those tech startups will reach out to you. Apply now for your exclusive lifetime membership at betsrecruiting.com slash non-technical. Since his acquisition of the Dallas Mavericks in 2000, Mark has overseen the Mavs competing in the NBA Finals for the first time in franchise history in 2006 and becoming NBA World Champions in 2011. They are currently listed as one of Forbes' most valuable franchises in sports. In addition to the Mavs, Mark first appeared as a shark on the ABC show Shark Tank in 2011, becoming the first ever to live tweet a TV show. He's been a star on the hit show ever since and is an investor in an ever-growing portfolio of small businesses. Mark is the best-selling author of How to Win at the Sport of Business. He holds multiple patents, including a VR solution for vestibular-induced dizziness and a method for counting objects on the ground from a drone. He's the executive producer on movies that have been nominated for seven Academy Awards, Good Night and Good Luck, and Enron, The Smartest Guys in the Room. Quick to call out unscrupulous business practices, Mark established ShareSleuth, a research and investigation website to uncover fraud in financial markets and endowed the Electronic Frontier Foundation's Mark Cuban chair to eliminate dumbass patents, an effort to fight patent trolls. Mark gives back to the communities that promoted his success through the Mark Cuban Foundation. The Foundation's AI Boot Camps initiative hosts free introduction to AI boot camps for low-income high schoolers, starting in Dallas. Mark also saved and annually funds the annual Dallas St. Patrick's Day Parade, the largest parade in Dallas and a city institution. Mark lives in Dallas with his wife, Tiffany, daughters, Alexis and Alyssa, and son, Jake. Mark Cuban, welcome to Non-Technical. Thanks, Alexis. Okay, so Mark, obviously I am familiar with you and your illustrious body of work, which we've just reviewed for our listeners, but I want to talk about you today. Tell me this. How did you spend your last day off? For me, every day is kind of a day off, but then yep. it's not, right? I don't go of into course. an office daily at all. I get to work to my schedule. Mm-hmm. And when my time is to myself, try to work out, play basketball, or hang out with my kids. And the rest, I'm um, doing work. Am I right that one of your daughters is named Alexis? Yes, you are. Yes. <laughs> is that why you said yes to the show? <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. Well, have you ever been known as the something person? like in school or at work or anything. I like, I have a friend who was definitely known as the math girl in high school. I was the hustler guy. I was oh, yeah. the business person. Yeah. From the time I was a little kid, 
I was the guy who was always hustling and had a side hustle of some sort or another. So that that's always been me. No exceptions my entire life that I remember. What would be the second thing that you were known for? Or was it just all hustler all the time? Basketball. You know, even though I wasn't very good, just loving sure. to play basketball. Me and my buddies, some of my best friends were some of my buddies from high school. And we still talk basketball all the time. And really? Yeah, that's been our thing. Are those your oldest friends? Yeah. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well then, if you were kidnapped, but you had the chance to communicate secretly with your friends and family and needed to tip them off that something was wrong, what would you say? Help. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because people know that I'm not the one to ask for help. I'm the exact Oh, really? Yeah, that I'll try to figure it out myself, that I don't like to impose on other people at all. Mm -hmm. I don't mind doing favors, but I hate asking for favors. Really? So you asking for help would be so out of character that they were like, something is wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Is that true, big and small? Are there any small things where you're like, I'm bad at this, I'm just going to ask for help? Oh, yeah. Like colors, matching, (laughs) colors. That's my kryptonite. My kids just laughed so hard. We were at my daughter's basketball game the other day, and the official was like, that's out on blue. And I go to my wife, that's blue? Oh, my God. (laughs) Like, I know this is blue, but, like, there's different gradients of blue, royal blue, navy blue. I have no clue. I am so bad with colors. It's scary. Do you consider yourself someone who cares a lot about style and fashion? It just comes natural to me. Can't you tell? (laughs) Okay. Of course. Of course. I tell my kids, I tell my friends, it's just like swag isn't how you dress. Of course not. Swag is being able to tell other people how to dress. Hell yeah. I love that. To me, I just think, you know, I make anything look good. (laughs) I really appreciate that because I wrote my college admissions essay on the concept of being cool and how it doesn't exist. It doesn't. Game recognizes game, right? You don't have to say anything. It's either there or it's not. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. So has a piece of art like music, a book, fine art or anything ever changed your life? Oh, yeah. A lot of them. With music, there's always music Mm. associated with a moment in your life. And there's always, you know, books. You know, I used to read a lot of Ayn Rand when I was a kid because I was a pure capitalist. I don't really ascribe to her beliefs as much, but Mm. I I didn't read it so much as a way to shape my overall thinking about the world and life, but more just to motivate me. And and for me, generally, just reading about business people, like Mm -hmm. I said, I've always been a business guy, just motivates me. And and Mm. I actually had to stop reading biographies because I would get so amped up. You know, so I I, I love to read. I I love to just absorb knowledge. And so there's just so many books I couldn't even begin to listen. Yeah. Is there a book you go back to again and again? Not so much anymore. No, I would go back to The Fountainhead Mm. every now and then just to read about Howard Rourke. If I was down, Mm. you know, just read about, you know, his trials and tribulations. And again, not the political side of it, no, not sure. the, the macro element of it, just to get motivated. That's pretty much the only book I've read more than three times, let's say. Okay. And when you read, are you listening to audiobooks, paper books? No, I'll, I'll read. Yeah. Mostly Kindle now. Oh, really? Yeah. I like having a big stack of books that it's like, ah, I read these. Feels good. Oh, yeah. Look, look if, if you go around, you know, I can't turn mm-hmm. it all the way around, but just piles and piles and piles of books that going back years that I've mm. read and then I'll, I'll take a look at and go, oh yeah. And then look, you know, remember, you know, where I took a note in yeah. or something, cause I'm really good at dog airing books and writing mm-hmm. in, the, in the pages and the liners and everything. And so. Me too. I find when I hold a pen while I read, I retain more. Just holding it is just enough, right? But 
Yeah, I take notes. And, you know, that's what I've always done. I've got notebooks going back 25 years from business meetings. Really? Every now and then, like I used to have these calendars where I would take notes in the calendars and then I could go back to them. And, you know, going back to the early days of the internet, 25 years, I've got really cool notes. That's awesome. I also write a lot by hand for comedy and stuff like that. And so my notebook collection is growing and it feels so good. It just feels good to look at. Wait till you have family, you know, and they look at it like, what do you, why is this shit here? I know. I can't. <laughs> All of my family just gives me the hardest time about just saving everything, just, really? just hoarding everything. And they're just like, this isn't even open. Why is it still here? And just because, just someday. Yeah, someday you're going to need it. Is there something in particular your family's trying to get you to let go of that you just refuse to? Not any one thing. It's just like the stacks and stacks okay. and stacks <laughs> of things. So you mentioned music also. Is there a song that whenever you hear it takes you back in time? Oh, yeah. My girlfriend breakup song from college. <gasps> What is that? A song called Baby Come Back by a band called Player. <laughs> is Baby that like, you back. can blame it all on me? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and um, I heard it the other day and I just started laughing. And, and it's just like, <laughs> yeah, there, there's lots of those. In college, when you were listening to it post-breakup, did you feel it authentically? Or even then, was it funny? No, no, I felt it. It was brutal. Oh, no. It's nice when over time, those things can become funny and enjoyable yeah. when you're like, God, at the time, that hurts so yeah, bad. It only took about 20 years. <laughs> That's pretty good. Okay, so is there a fad that you look back on participating in, and this could be fashion, cultural workout, whatever, that looking back makes you a little cringy? Yeah, my hair used to be down to about here. <gasps> Shoulder length? Yeah. Yeah, and no I used way. to chew on it in class. It was no, gross. no. Oh, yeah, yeah. When was your hair shoulder length? In high school. Okay, high. all four years? My junior year. Okay, and was that a conscious choice or did it just grow? It was conscious because I liked the idea that I could chew on my hair in class. Oof, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, it's tough, but we're persevering, we're persevering. Did it help you focus? No, no, no. it was just disgusting. <laughs> and I like to disgust people. I mean, literally when I was in high school, I wore a t-shirt that said bullshit on it. Sure. And my mom's like, if you wear that shirt to school, you're going to get expelled for the day. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know, but it'll be fun. And so I wore it, you know, I just didn't care. Did you get expelled? Yeah, I got kicked out for the day. But they let you back in yeah, eventually. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But I did things like I had a pair of jeans that had a rip on the seam. And yeah. I would just keep on ripping them. And oh they would like, God. then the school would like come and staple them together. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so you were out for trouble. Oh yeah. I was like counterculture, not a troublemaker as yeah. in like, impacting other people. Of course. But just doing dumb shit that I knew would upset people that I thought was harmless, right? Yes. So wearing the shirt said bullshit harmless. You know, right. having a rip that went from my belt all the way down. And so it was like more like a dress, you know, and then having them <laughs> staple it. That was just hysterical to me. That's so funny. Did you ever pull pranks in high school? Were you that kind of person? No, that was more college. Is there one in particular in college that you're really proud of? Maybe my sophomore year at Indiana. Hmm. And we lived in the dorm. And I was like, we need to have a food fight. Okay. And, and <laughs> we had the cafeteria where everybody would go to eat and everything. And they had one of those conveyor belts and everything. Mm-hmm. And so you would get the tray. And it's not like now where they have all the different fast food places. So yeah. you would get your tray and just like in high school, right? When you would sure. pick up the different food. I said like, whatever time it was, 5.30, 6, 6 o'clock, whatever, we're going to have a food fight. 
Oh my God. Come that time, everybody knew that we were going to have a food fight, right? Okay. It's just a dorm. Yeah. I literally stood up in the middle of the cafeteria and held a napkin up. And the minute I dropped the napkin, all hell broke. Oh my God. <laughs> Tables would be turned on the side. We planned it so it was a tater tot day. Oh tater my God. Tater tots were flying everywhere. It was just. Hysterical. Security came in. I'm sure. And I like went out on the conveyor belt. That's how I got out because they had closed the doors and everybody thought I was- You escaped? I escaped, <laughs> right? And I took full blame for it. Everybody yeah. thought I got suspended and people put together a petition so that I wouldn't get suspended and I oh could stay God. in school. It was hysterical. That's amazing. Okay. Oh, hysterical. <laughs> I like that you had an exit strategy. Get out on the conveyor belt. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I learned it. That's amazing. Do you have a catchphrase or other words or phrases that people identify with you, stuff you say a lot? For my family, yeah. I have these sayings that I do say all the time. I mean, there's business ones, but then there's ones I say to my kids yeah. that drive them crazy. One is someone who doesn't read lives one life. Someone who does read lives an unlimited number of lives. Okay. Another one is how you do anything is how you do everything. Yep, that one I'm familiar Another with. Another one, the one thing in life you can control is your effort. You know, those are the ones my kids, I just start saying them. Then the other one that's just stupid is Boogie with the Suitcase. Because there's an old song from, oh, got it, da 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 that's right for me, da da Oh, Funky Town? Funky Town, yeah. And it's talking about whatever, and one of the lines is, let's Boogie with the Suitcase. To my kids, when it's time to leave, let's Boogie with the Suitcase. They always come back and say, because we're living in a disco. That's awesome. Just dumb, but it's fun. Well, I love stuff that's fun and dumb. That's great. Well, the other one that drives me crazy is my rule about food. Hmm. And (laughs) if you like one thing and you like another thing and you put them together, you're going to like it even more. Oh, no. I don't know if that's always true. They're like, oh, dad, that's gross. And so I'll like take whatever. And, oh, you like that, huh? Yeah. And they're like, don't do it. Oh, don't no. Don't do it. So we always have fun with that. That's great. One example of that that I can think of that you wouldn't think would be good that is actually delicious is I was on a camping trip in, I think, middle school, and we put peanut butter and pepperoni together, which you think would be horrible, but we were delighted. <laughs> See, it's like dipping French fries in a milkshake. Yeah. Why does that work? <laughs> It's amazing. It is amazing, you know, because you got crunchy, you got salty, you got sweet. It's the ultimate rule. Sometimes you don't know until you try it, you know? That's the same with everything, but with food in particular, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, if you like it and you combine it with something else you like, it will be better. Okay. I will put that to the test in my day-to-day and I will report You will thank me, Alexis. (laughs) When you give the more motivational quotes to your kids and they don't take you seriously, do you find that that makes you want to double down and just keep motivating or do you let it go? I let it go. Yeah. Because look, my kids just roll their eyes at me like they do to any parent, right? Yeah. It's just like (laughs) dad, or they'll just like shake their head, walk away. Yeah. Or my oldest, Alexis, she'll just say, you're an idiot. Oh my God. You've raised them to speak the truth, you know? You know, and I'm fine with that. Sometimes I am. That's awesome. Have you ever considered getting them like motivational posters with these sayings and hanging them around the house? (laughs) Have I considered it? (laughs) Yes. Would I do it? No, because that's a recipe for disaster. Yes. I think you want order in the house. It sounds like maybe best to avoid, but it'd be really funny. It would crack me up, but you know, and I do it, you know, I'll tell dumbass dad jokes, right? Yep. 
you know, and they hear the same ones all the time. Because I have a friend, one of my old high school buddies, Stuart, who mm. just has just a whole book of them. And he'll just pass them out. The some you remember is just like, yeah. someone will do this with your back. I said, oh, when did you hurt your back? And they already know the answer. Oh, about a week back. Oh, my God. Dad joke central. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. So you're really sorry you asked to do this interview, aren't you? <laughs> It. And also, I like when people talk about dad jokes and their proliferation because I'm pretty sure that in my house they will come to be known as mom jokes, and I've just made my peace with that. Yep. <laughs> Doesn't matter where they come from as long as you say them. No. Nope. What is the tiniest hill that you're willing to die on? So something super inconsequential that you would really go to bat for, like like dumb, small, tiny. Probably, probably that rule on the food. <laughs> really? That any two things are good together? I ask this question a lot and I always forget my answers to it. And I remember writing one down recently. Oh, which was that I don't think that cantaloupe and honeydew are filler fruit. I think that's good fruit. They're good for honeydew especially. Right? I'm a huge honeydew fan. Do you know that that's a controversial take? Wow. I know. Filler fruit, like fruit in the fruit salad that just fills it up for volume. Not good right, enough. but it's good. I, but I it's like really good. The, I, I pick at the honeydew if it's fresh honeydew, right? But part of the problem is they put the outside of the honeydew in, right? Which is just yeah. kind of chunky. No, we don't want that. you don't get the juicy part mm-hmm. of it. And that's really a letdown because honeydew is good. Wow. Mark, I'm so excited to know there's someone else out there. You know what else is good mm. that is stunning that people you wouldn't think is eggplant. I've like turned into an eggplant junkie because first it's a fruit. Second, it's really low calorie. Third, Mm -hmm. it fills me up. And so I just like put some cheese on it, put it in the microwave and like, and you can cook an eggplant in the microwave. I don't think I knew that. Oh yeah. You just poke some holes in it and you wrap it in in some um, paper and seven minutes or whatever it is. And then bam, let it cool off. And you just sprinkle some, whatever you like. I like cheese. Yeah. And I can fill myself up. Literally, it's disgusting to say, but I'll have eggplant like three times a week. That's not disgusting. That seems totally normal. I try to stay healthy and all that kind of stuff. And it's got all the nutrients, but it's low cal. As long as I don't put too much cheese on it. That sounds great. You know what I've done with an eggplant before that's been really good is eggplant in the air fryer. Yes. Mm -hmm. What's not good in an air fryer? I know. Air fryers are really having a moment in the last year. They should. (laughs) Are you a big chef in your house? Hell no. (laughs) Hell no. If it doesn't work in a microwave, it's not going to help. I know. Is that because it doesn't come naturally to you or you don't like it or other people are better at it? No, it's just time. It's just like, okay, of all the places I'm going to use my time, I can eat what someone else makes. I can Uber Eats it or I can put it in a microwave. Mm -hmm. I hate going to fancy restaurants. Mm -hmm. I'm not a foodie at all. If, Mm -hmm. you know, someone's like, oh, this is the best, this type of restaurant. You know, and I'm like, is it one star or four stars? Yes. If it's one star and it's great, I'm in. Let's go. If it's four or five star and you got to sit there. Mm-hmm. And then for me, they always come, oh, you know, here's an extra dessert. And like, mm-hmm. and I'm miserable by the time I leave. Are you someone that when you sit down to dinner, you think it should be an in and out experience? Like you sit down, you eat and then you leave? I used to be. And usually I would like work or read or do something mm-hmm. while I was eating. But now, you know, my kids are somewhat more fun on various days. Whatever I can do to hang out with them, that's the priority. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. I was talking to people recently. I realized I have a very different opinion on how dinner should be had. I'm someone where if I go out to dinner, I like, well, maybe we'll grab a glass of wine and we'll sit and we'll talk and then we'll have a couple courses. We'll sit and talk some more. And I have friends who are like, I want dinner to be like 75 minutes. You arrive, you eat, and then you're out of there. Depending on what I'm doing, like if I'm working, working, I went vegetarian like three years ago. So, but prior to that, 
I would go to 7-Eleven and literally buy a hot dog in a big gulp, sit in my car, listen to a podcast or do a, a call. And that just kind of isolates me from everybody. And I can sure. be gross with my 7-Eleven yes. hot dog. <laughs> You know, and really just enjoy it. Yes. But yeah, to me, that was high cuisine. That that was just mm. like the best of the best. I mean, it sounds like a good combo. I mean, what can go wrong? You get the hot dog, right? Yeah. Jumbo. And mm-hmm. then you put some of the cheese and you put some pickles on it, a little bit of mustard, just oh a dash of mustard. <laughs> and then you just got your big gulp or water or whatever. Yeah. And literally you just sit back. I was going to say, you're sitting in your car? Yes. Okay. Front seat? Yeah. Just chill. Whatever (laughs) I'm listening to, I'm listening to. And it's just that isolation is perfect. Yeah. Nice moment of zen. just get to close out everything and just eat my jumbo hot dog. I understand. Okay. Totally different question for you. Do you believe in ghosts? No. At all? No. Have you ever believed in ghosts? No. (laughs) I will tell you this. I believe there's a lot of things I don't know. Me too. And I'm willing to accept if I'm just wrong, I'm Mm -hmm. wrong. Yep. As of now, I don't believe in ghosts. Do you? No. I think similarly, there's a lot of stuff I don't know, but I've never seen a ghost. And I've never thought, oh, the only logical explanation is that was a ghost. ghost. Nope. But I've definitely felt creepy vibes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, go to any bar. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. What is something non-work related that you're really proud of? My jump shot sometimes. Yeah? Did it take a long time to really nail it? Well, it's actually, I've had to re-nail it. Okay. (laughs) Because the older you get, your legs go and you have to adapt. That's my getaway. I mean, other Mm. than the 7-Eleven hot dogs, just getting out there and shooting baskets is kind of how I disconnect from everything else because your focus is just Mm -hmm. the ball going through the hoop and the sound of the net when you swish a shot is Mm -hmm. just like the ultimate relaxation and reward. What makes a good jump shot? Is a jump shot, that's, you're literally, you're jumping and then dunking the ball? Not necessarily donkey. No, okay. my donkey days are long gone. <laughs> Your body is jumping up to shoot right, the Right, you're ball. just shooting the ball. Okay. Just like it's, you watch a lot of basketball, don't you, Alexis? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. <laughs> Can't say I'm an aficionado on the sport, but now I'm understanding. You're jumping and shooting the ball, hence jump shot. Just turn on ESPN <laughs> one time and you'll see a guy jumping and hoping the ball goes through the hoop. That's a jump shot. Okay, cool, cool. Now I get it. I remember. I've seen it. I've seen it happen for sure. <laughs> It's like me with cooking, right? Yeah, I've seen people cook before. People do that. They're good at it. I'm impressed, though, because that looks challenging. You got to jump and shoot at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's (laughs) something, you know, every 12-year-old basketball player can do, but it's challenging. I'm impressed, Mark. (laughs) Okay, this is a two-part question for you. Mm -hmm. The first part of the question is, who would play you in a movie about your life? And the second part of the... (laughs) You've played yourself a couple times, actually, haven't you? Yeah, I love doing acting. I love it. What do you like about it? The fact that you just have to let everything go and just be Mm. in the moment that you can't Mm -hmm. be in your own head. Yeah. And once I learned that, it it got a lot easier and a lot more fun. So I like anything that it's just a completely different kind of challenge. In business, it's all, you know, right brain, decision making, you know, and I know exactly what's going on. The acting stuff is just really, it's a lot more difficult and Mm. a lot more challenging, which is why I like it. Totally. Have you ever acted and not played yourself? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Like um, Sharknado 3 and a bunch of different times. You were in Sharknado 3? Oh, yeah. I was the president. Really? (laughs) And I got to shoot at the sharks. 
I told him, I'm glad to do it as long as I don't die in the end so that yeah. I have the opportunity to come back if I wanted to. For four. Yeah, I didn't. But yeah, they asked me to, but I couldn't. Wow. Yeah. So I got to shoot the guns and it was me and Ian Ziering. They had a fake White House there and I get to shoot a shark and go, not my house. And oh stuff my like God. That. It was so much fun. So much fun. That sounds incredible. What's your favorite memory from filming Sharknado 3? Having the guns and a rifle and just being able to, you know, fake shoot and yep. like, bam bam and just you know pretending that the sharks are blowing up all around me <laughs> running from um the sharknado and then there's a scene with a bunch of us after we defeat the sharks raising the flag to recreate the iwo jima thing that was fun it was just a blast doing it that's so fun. I know what you mean about that letting go. It's definitely true in acting. It's also very true in comedy, specifically improv yes. comedy, where you just gotta, you gotta let you it just go. Just go with the flow, right? See, that improv comedy is life, right? Mm -hmm. Where if you just totally. throw it out there, see what happens, and you just hope you're quick enough to deal with it, right? Mm -hmm. And and acting is this, improv acting is the same way. Because oh, yeah. different directors, they'll just like, when I was on Entourage, she was like, here's the script. But just do what you need to do, yeah. right? Just go with it. And you improv it, and it was a blast. That's really fun. As revealed, I don't know a lot about sports. I noticed. But I would say that <laughs> improv comedy is the closest thing that I've ever been good at to a sport. Because people think it's just this magic. You show up on stage, and you say whatever comes to mind, and it works out. But the truth is that improv, like basketball, like anything else, you get good at it through practice. And you sort yeah. of learn, like, the passes. You learn, you do drills and things like that. So that by the time it's game time or show time, you know what to do. You're ready. Yeah, that's another one of my lines. Practice to you can't get it wrong. Yeah. You know, it's just... And improv's the same way. I mean, because when you act, you deal with a lot of comedians that do a lot mm -hmm. of improv and, you know, you I'll go to shows and stuff like that. And it's hard. It is really, really hard. And it's even harder to come back from mistakes where, you know, you have just <laughs> bombed, right? And you've got, it's like missing shots in basketball. Oh, yeah. You can miss 10 in a row, but you've yes. got to be there for that 11th shot. Otherwise, no one's going to respect you. No one's going to come back. Oh, totally. I mean, and that's definitely, we can extrapolate that to life as well, which is that you have to be able to bounce back quickly from the things that maybe don't go your way. Because yeah. what's the alternative? You just stop performing? Yeah, you can't. People are there. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, in business, you know, you're going to make mistakes. You're going right. to fail and, and you're going to learn from those failures. But you just got to get right back up because, mm -hmm. you know, in my case, there's people whose livelihoods depend right. on it or you just got to do the job. Totally. See, that could be a motivational poster. Throw that in the house. <laughs> just got to do the job. All three of my kids would be like, oh, my God, dad. <laughs> yeah, not another one. So is there anything that your family did when you were growing up that at the time you thought was normal and then later you realized was something that no other family did? Lots of screaming at the dinner table. Really? Oh, my God. Yeah. To this day. And then like racing to finish things because I have two younger brothers. Oh, okay. And so like if there was a treat, ice cream, pie, whatever it yeah. was, it was a race just to get it <laughs> before my brothers got it and consternation of my parents, you know, because it'd be gone. But yeah, just yelling, screaming and always just pigging out mm -hmm. on whatever was available. So, so a very doggy dog dinner table scenario. When it's three boys, it is just like an onslaught. I'm an only child, so. <laughs> you got all the attention then. Yes, and it turned out fine. Perfect. <laughs> what was the yelling about? Were you guys getting into heated debates or? No, it just whatever, right? <laughs> I don't even remember what we yelled about. It was just like, you know, it was never quiet. It was never just like a simple, quiet, demure. And then 
my wife, like when we first started dating, hmm. she's like, you're so loud. Why are you so loud? <laughs> you know, my kids, you're so loud. Why are you yeah. so loud? And I try to explain to them. Those are the circumstances in which you were raised. Your voice needed to be heard, so you got to be loud. It's not my fault. <laughs> no. <laughs> what is something really out of character that you've done that when you look back, you're like, whoa, that was really out of character? Cooked for somebody, cleaned for somebody, went and... I w- I've always been so business-driven. I think mm. it's really been more about just going, getting, going out of my way. Just I just... I don't know. I, I guess people don't really expect me just to go out of my way to be there for friends. They just expect mm. me to to keep on working, right? Yeah. And you know, and I try to be there for my friends. And I think a lot of people in the past have thought that was out of character, and I never thought it was. But yeah, right. It sort of it matches up with how you view yourself, but it maybe doesn't meet what people's expectations of you are. Yeah, because it, enough people know who I am now that they think they know who I am. Hmm. You know, and and that kind of creates an expectation. And that's fine. I mean, I know what I'm getting into. Right. But there's lots of times when people actually meet me. And a lot of times people will judge you by your bank account. Sure. When I was broke, people judged me because I was broke. And now when I'm not broke, people judge me because I've Mm -hmm. got a lot of money. And it's just like, well, you seem like a normal person. And, (laughs) you know, always, Hmm. always, always, always that happens. And so, you know, hopefully I haven't lost that normality. Um, You know, I still try to be the same guy. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's about your values. If you value being a good friend, you're going to show up and be a good friend. It doesn't matter the numbers or the whatever. I had fun with my life when I was broke and Mm -hmm. I have more stuff now and life is easier for sure. But like I said, you can take the boy out of Pittsburgh, but you can't take the Pittsburgh out of the boy. Right. Exactly. (laughs) That part of me hasn't really changed. That's right. I think that surprises a lot of people. Hmm. They clearly haven't seen you in the front seat of your car with a big gulp and a hot dog. (laughs) It's like I took my son to school today. And it's just like, Dad, you're such a pig because <laughs> after after a Mavs game, like I have to decompress. I can't just come home hmm. and just, you know, say, oh, okay, you know, all that intensity for those yep. two yep. hours, you know, I'm chill. I'll get some food after the game and I'll sit in my car since I don't go to 7-Eleven anymore and I'll listen yep. to whatever. Every now and then there'll be a crumb or two left behind. So my son gets into the front seat today to go to school. He's like, Dad, you're such a pig. <laughs> You're such a mess. This is disgusting. And there's just like a fork or a crumb or whatever yep. there. How long does it take you to wind down when you're after those really high intensity scenarios? At least an hour, sometimes two. Do you find that it's hard to get your brain to stop thinking about that stuff? Or are you someone who can switch it on and off? I'm not a high stress person. I'll continue to think about what I could have done better or could have mm-hmm. changed or how I could have improved it. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad, you mm-hmm. know. But yeah, I'll, I'll continue just to run it through my mind, everything that happened. And hmm. whether it's a, a Mavs game or a business deal or whatever it is, hmm. I won't get high stress, but I'll just think about it. Yeah. You're just figuring out how to do the jump shot better next Yeah, time. right. Just whatever yeah. it is. Seriously, mm-hmm. like if I'm playing even in a pickup game, that's mm. what I'll think about it. Like I'll come home and my wife or kids will be like, what's wrong? Like, I couldn't make a shot today. Oh you my know? God. Like, <laughs> That's amazing. I'm sure that drives them crazy, but I don't yeah, understand. Just, you know, they're used to it now. They just roll their eyes. <laughs> yeah. So if you weren't doing what you do now professionally, what would you be doing? You know, it just depends where I was in my life, right? If hmm. I was starting all over again or I lost everything I had to start all over again, I would probably get a job at night working as a bartender and during yeah. the day get a job in sales. Yeah. Because I'm a good salesperson. And as long as I've motivated myself to, to learn, mm-hmm. I'd figure out another way to start a business. What if you couldn't start a business? What would you do? I'd probably be in sales or technology <laughs> at some level. 
What if sales and business and technology was all off the table? I'd be a bartender because just the social aspect of it. Yeah. I bartended for a little bit in college. Have you ever done it? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. What was your drink of choice to make? Long Island iced teas. Oh, really? (laughs) And and actually, like, I, I owned a bar my senior year of college. Seriously? Yeah. When I was a sophomore... We would throw parties at this one place and as a party promoter. And I'm, yeah. that's how I helped pay for school. Mm-hmm. And then after my junior year, they were getting ready to go out of business. And I worked out a deal with a friend and we went and we bought it. It was called Motley's Pub oh my in God. Bloomington, Indiana, in Dunkirk Square. And we would make these drinks where I would take the blender and ice and vodka and I put in like a Snickers bar. And oh call God. it like a Snickers milkshake drink. Oh my God, oh my and God. And charge like three bucks, which was a lot back then. Yeah. And I gained like 30 pounds just testing I'm and sure. tasting and everything. <laughs> but it was they were great. And so those were my drinks. But other than that, it was a Long Island iced tea. And now it's, it's a Bud Light. Yeah. When you opened that bar, what was what were you hoping would happen? I was hoping I'd make some money. I mean, I was just on a mission. I thought I would have fun. And we had to line to get in the first day. So, you know, we crushed it. The problem was I wasn't even 21 once we got the whole, when we got the whole thing started and oh, I was no. 21 by the time we opened okay. but I let all my friends in and oh. <laughs> 5 6 months later we got busted and so that was pretty much the end of the bar. 5 6 months though to go letting people in underage and not get busted is pretty good. You had a good run. It wasn't bad. I, you know, I made some money and I was the king on campus. I mean, Motley's Pub was the hot spot. Oh, I'm sure. And there were lines to get in. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. Did you guys ever have shirts made or any merch? You name it. We had it all. I have the t-shirt still and we had a mascot. It was a big fat guy. It was fun. And we would like have the mascot at football games. We made this big paper mache head that this guy would wear Mm -hmm. around. It was great. That's really fun. Did you serve food? Yeah, we served food at lunch, but it was all low cost food, right? Yeah. It was like 50 cent hot dogs. And I I had the spaghetti and I had Cuban Reuben just because I wanted to call it Reuben a Cuban Reuben. (laughs) I mean, the food was awful. It, It was just meant to be low cost. Are you still in touch with the folks that you ran it with? Yeah, a guy named Phil and I email a bunch of the guys because I hired a lot of my friends, including my old girlfriend from Baby Come Back, Francis. Really? And yeah. Yeah. She worked there and because uh, that opened the door. Didn't work. There we go. <laughs> but it was an attempt. You, It was, it was uh... an attempt. Yeah. <laughs> but I had great friends still from, from back then. Yeah. And, you know, my rugby buddies, I played rugby back then and my oh, college really? buddies, my college roommates are still my best friends. Wow. That's really nice. And you said you have friends from high school too. Yeah. I've got my high school Pittsburgh guys. And then I have my college rugby friends and we all at various times get together or Zoom or visit each other. Oh, that's nice. Still to this day. It's awesome. Do you find that it's harder to make friends as you get older? Yeah, you don't really even try, actually. Mm. I mean, it's not even so much getting older. It's just family, right? Because just Mm. between work and family, you want to spend as much as I love my friends. I want to spend time with my kids more than anything. So between real world and family... We got a bunch of us together a couple of weeks ago and, and we went and saw Sting. We'll go to get together and, and yuck it up and do stupid shit, you know, or take a trip, but it, it's just harder. And so to your point, you know, I really don't go out there and try to make new friends at all. Yeah, I found that I've had made like two true best friends since college. And I think that is incredibly rare to have two like really best friends that are from post-college days. And I still have friends from when I was five or six years old. They're more like family. But yep. I feel really lucky for that because most of the time you just kind of stop. When I moved to Dallas, I lived six guys, five roommates in a three-bedroom apartment. So you get to be really close friends. and Three-bedroom, okay. <laughs> and we lived in this apartment complex called The Village, which was like the largest may still be the largest apartment complex in the country. There are a whole contingency, a whole group of guys that are still friends, 
but you know, you, you develop this group of running buddies. And then mm. as people move and have families, you know, there's still some you keep in touch with. And, and so we're still really good friends. That's really nice. That's really nice. The older I get in all of my infinite wisdom, the more I'm like, oh yeah, that's the stuff that's genuinely very important. It really is. You know, because as you, as you get older, everybody goes through their own shit, right? right. And, and you, you know, want somebody to share it with and want somebody to know, you want to know there's somebody there that is still thinking about you. Yeah, hundred percent. Have you ever been proven really, really wrong? Oh, more times than I can ever count. Is there something that sticks out? Maybe something like relatively inconsequential where you're like, oh wow, I was wrong. Yeah, I mean, most recently, actually, I was on Twitter. Hmm. And I was talking to somebody about Section 230, which is an internet rule that allows platforms like Facebook to publish anything or have their users publish anything without any consequences. Mm -hmm. So if some idiot comes on and says something inflammatory, Facebook's not going to get in trouble for it. And, you know, using technology, they amplify things, right? So Mm -hmm. you have a lot of misinformation that gets amplified. The more people that see it, the more it gets amplified of course. and they're protected by Section 230. And I thought, you know what, if you just outlaw algorithmic amplification, hmm. which is what push it, pushes yep. it up, the world's going to be a better place and, hmm. you know, or at least restricted. And then I got into it with these First Amendment constitutional lawyers and they're like, well, if you do that, then this. And by the way, it would never pass muster legally because A, B and C reasons. And I was like, wow, you got me. You know, wow. <laughs> I was wrong. And so I deleted those tweets. Is that hard to do to publicly yeah. to say, oh, I was wrong? No, no, nah. because I'm wrong a lot, you know, and, mm. you know, I don't mind it. I mean, I prefer to be right. Obviously, sure. I don't mind it because if you put yourself out there enough, it's going to happen. Yeah, I agree. It just seems kind of rare. A lot of people make bold statements or make claims and they are very wrong and then they say nothing. So I do think it is rare to be willing to say I'm wrong. Yeah. And look, sometimes I'm wrong and I'm not going to publicly make a statement. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm just going to put my tail between my legs and move on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Particularly when it comes to sports, you know, running the Mavericks, there's a lot Mm -hmm. of fans who think I'm an idiot. Really? Oh, yeah. We haven't won a championship since 2011 and haven't gotten out of the first round since 2011. So there's a lot of fans. In all of my knowledge, I think you're doing great, personally. And as you know, I didn't know this. <laughs> if Alexis thinks I'm doing great, that's, that's right. all that matters. That's all that matters. What's the most memorable gift you've ever received? Oh, anything from my kids. But beyond mm. that... Do they make gifts? Yeah, and it's the normal, you know, we love you, Dad, and da-da-da-da-da. And probably what my dad gave me when I graduated. My dad mm. did upholstery on cars. Never had much money, took care of us and my brothers. And he gave me a watch that I knew he bought that he thought was real. Yeah. But it wasn't real. (gasps) It was a fake watch and it fell apart almost immediately. Yeah. And I didn't tell him that. Of course. After that watch broke, I I still kept it and I still have it in in my closet. And it just really, really meant a lot to me because I knew it took a lot for him to go out and get it. Wow. That's so nice that you still have it. Did you get it repaired or is it just in pieces? The latch came undone. It doesn't work. I I didn't get it repaired because there was no point, Mm -hmm. Um, but I still kept it. It still means a lot to me. Wow. That's beautiful. We are going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. This episode of Non-Technical is still brought to you by Beth's Recruiting. Okay. Real talk. We all know someone who's been complaining about their job for the last three months, but doesn't seem to be doing anything about it. And sure, maybe at times we've all been that person too. On the one hand, I get it because even after you found an open role that feels like a fit, figuring out the right place to submit your resume can be a huge mountain to climb. But on the other hand, there are so many tools today to make that climb feel more like a pleasant, non-inclined walk. Like bets. 
So if you or your friend are a high-performing professional looking for your next opportunity, it's time to become a Bets Connect community member. Apply to join Bets exclusive network. And if you're accepted, tech startups will reach out to you. You decide who to talk to. You decide your path. So next time your disgruntled friend starts a conversation with, you're not going to believe what happened on Slack today. Maybe find a way to bring up bets. Or hey, maybe send in this episode of Non-Technical, huh? Ah, subtlety. Apply now for your exclusive lifetime membership at betsrecruiting.com slash non-technical. And we're back with Mark Cuban, entrepreneur and television personality. Mark Cuban, we have arrived at a very exciting moment in this episode of Non-Technical. Are you ready? Oh, let's go. (laughs) I knew you'd be game for this. We have arrived at the lightning round. Okay, my first question for you, coffee or tea? Tea. Really? Any coffee at all? No. I love how I asked that question. Then I'm like, what do you mean not coffee? I don't know. There was one answer. I don't understand. (laughs) Do you drink caffeine? No. No, I have AFib. So yeah, AFib really fucks me up. Yeah. So yeah, I learned the hard way. Yeah. So herbal tea? Yeah. uh, Chamomile. Mm, That's soothing. Actually, I'll just drink hot water. I was, I heard of other people that just had hot water and I was like, that's really crazy. Yes. And then I just tried it and I realized I could never really taste the chamomile or the other, you know, white tea, green tea. It's pretty faint. It's just like, okay, hot water does the job. I can dunk my cookies, my list of cookies in there and I'm happy. In the hot water? In the hot water. It gets a little mushy. It's awesome. Mark, I've been along this journey with you for a long time now, and I, I've agreed until this moment that you're oh, telling I'm me. Oh, then I'm out. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> I try. Ooh, okay, it's a tough. I'm That's the little hill I'm going to die on. <laughs> the Dunkin' Cookies in hot water somehow improves the situation? Alexis. Yes. Did you not hear the rule? I heard the rule. I just... Did you not realize that the rule is sacrosanct? It is absolute. There are no exceptions. Something I learned from you is to speak truth to power. And I just have to say, I don't agree with this. (laughs) I just don't agree. I can't get there. Just remember the next time someone interviews you and Mm -hmm. says, what was the last thing you admitted you were wrong on? Oh, it's going to be this? You think it's going to be this? Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) Have you ever tried... Alyssa's cookies in hot water. No, of course right not. Right there, see? <laughs> Who has tried that other than you? Tam of one. I don't think so. <laughs> Tam of one, but you know, there's, there's room for growth and you okay. can be the second one. This could be, look, we're going to do a TikTok. You're going to do a TikTok to say that you were wrong <laughs> and then I'm going to do a duet saying, nah, 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 told you so, told you so. Okay, I hope for your sake that that happens. (laughs) I will legitimately contemplate thinking about giving it a shot, for sure. (laughs) Contemplate, huh? You can't even commit to cookies and water. The idea of it is upsetting. (laughs) I will genuinely think about it today. I will think about it, for sure. There's that improv thing coming through. Oh, look at that. It's time for our next question. Do you have a favorite board game? The lightning rod is slowed down really fast. (laughs) Do you have a favorite board game? Uh, Monopoly. A lot of people say that who are also in business, I've noticed. Yeah, that's where you hone your skills as as when you're a kid. That was always my favorite too. I think it makes sense. (laughs) You know, I don't own any hotels. You know, I don't know what went wrong. No, damn. When you make the bed, do you use a top sheet or no top sheet? Do what? I use a top sheet or no, no what top was the sheet? first part? When you make the bed. Oh, I didn't understand that. Meaning what? Like, you know how there's on some beds, there's a sheet. <laughs> I'm kidding. Who the hell makes the bed? <laughs> Wait, you don't make your bed? 
why would I make my bed? I'm going to sleep in it that night and it's just going to be unmade. I'm a business person. They talk about inefficiency and, and waste of time. I know. I know, but I have to. I went to boarding school and when I was in boarding school, my junior year had a really small Otherwise room. known as prison? No, I was, it was voluntary. Also, everybody who is not from, I'm from this part of Connecticut where everyone goes to prep school. And if you were not from that part, everyone goes, oh my God, what did you do? And I'm like, I didn't do anything. This was yes. very normal. Is that after you got kicked out of the military no. school? <laughs> Voluntarily there the whole time. And my room was very small. And so to make it look bigger, to me, I would make my bed. And I've been doing it for like 15 or 16 years now. So wait, wait, wait. Did you have a roommate? No. So no one got to see that your bed wasn't made? No, just me. <laughs> and you still made it. So let me ask you a question, Alexis. Yes. How long did it take you? No, to I, I don't want to do this math. <laughs> I, I, pass. <laughs> All that time, what pass. else could you have done? I can't. I need it. You, I mean, you spent three years of your life making your bed. No, I'm an expert. Are you kidding? I've got this down to a science. I basically make half the bed while I'm still in it at this point, And then I like crawl out and then I throw a pillow on it. I, That's even efficient. worse. You could be sleeping another six minutes. Mm -mm. Six? Mark Cuban, you think it takes six minutes to make a bed? How long? <laughs> 30 seconds max. I'm calling bullshit on that no one. No way. 30 seconds. You, you whip the sheet up, do a little floof, and then you throw the pillows on it. You don't it's have no to look trouble. to see if there's any crumbs or anything that you left. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, I keep those in my car in the front seat with the big gulp. <laughs> oh, this has been so fun, Mark. I have one last question for you, which is, were you to write a memoir, what would you title it? How to Win at the Sport of Business, Part 2. Wow. No, I, no actually, I, I, I looked at it and because I actually wrote a little book called How to Win at the Sport of Business, hmm. and it, it actually did really well. But if I do another one, yeah. it's going to be Life is Half Random. Oh, I love that. I'll buy that book. And I'll yeah. underline it. Yeah, right. See, take notes. <laughs> take notes. And I'm going to have all my little, little, seriously, that's what I thought about. Just putting in all my stupid sayings. You because should. Because I don't want to write a book that like you have to put in all these extra pages to get it to like 300 pages. No, no. You know, that's ridiculous. Because like my first one was like 85 pages. Yeah. And people are always like, oh, I just breezed right through it. I never yeah. read and done so if I do another a Life is Half Random, that's what it'll be. 100 oh, pages I love now. that. That could even be like a nice coffee table book. Right? Yes. Because when you're sitting there... And you're contemplating the life you spent and the life you wasted making your bed. Oh my then God. you realize it's time <laughs> to take your cookies no. right, and dip it in your hot water wow. and just savor the flavor while you <laughs> stare at my Life is Half Random coffee table book. Wow. I'm so glad we did this podcast so that the rest of my life could get planned out in such a beautiful fashion. I am going to be thriving moving forward. Mark Cuban, thank you so much for coming on Non-Technical. Thanks, Alexis, for having me. It was a this lot of fun. This was such a treat. Where can people fun. find you online? You can go to markcuban.com and you can find me on social at mcuban on Twitter, Instagram. Everything is mcuban. Thanks for Love asking. Love that. Absolutely. And you can find me at yay Alexis Gay on Twitter and Instagram or at non-technicalpod on Twitter. Mark, one more time, I will report back on my findings should I continue with the experiment. But thank you so much for coming on today. You got it. I can't wait to test your stand-up. I'm looking thank forward to it. Thank you. Boy, I have a review to read. This is from Podcast Dad 2000. Five stars. Podcast Dad 2000 says, Great show. I listen to every episode. The questions are terrific and the host is wonderful. Really cool guests too. 10 out of 10. Give it a listen. I look forward to it being in my inbox every Wednesday morning. Thanks, Podcast Dad 2000. <laughs> also, just so you know, yes, I did confirm and that is not my podcast ad. <laughs> 
And if you want to hear me read your review on the next episode, go ahead and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Give me a little tech lingo, a little corpse speak, and maybe you'll hear it on the pod. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Bye.